coming up on this week's episode of the Zenial Odyssey Podcast. Essentially what a latchkey kid is, is um, it's a child who, you know, returns to an empty home because both of their parents work. Um, there's no supervision, and it, it may be silly, but I think it was related to, um, to bullying. everybody if you all just want to bear with me a uh, little under the weather but to be completely honest if I can go and do my nine-to-five job I figure I can come on here and do my weekly podcast uh, today it's Bobby rocks I'm coming to you solo figure uh, just mix in a solo episode for y'all so um, we've had two in the books we've had Cherry Lynn Nicholas on here we've had Remy Carrero on here uh, Sherry Lynn Nicholas, a licensed mental health counselor, a yoga instructor, a personal trainer, a professional bodybuilder, jack of all trades, as I mentioned before. We've had Remy Carrero on here, uh, author, kind of influencer, even though he hates that term, and um, really just delving into all these different avenues. And to me, we have uh, an emerging theme that is uh, not necessarily specific to people who are identified as Xennials, but it is definitely uh, positive traits, in my opinion. And those traits are specifically uh, the drive, the drive of these two individuals. And what I plan on kind of doing in future interviews is I will highlight people um, who have their own drives and, you know, their own experiences growing up, um, in the late eighties and in the nineties. And that's when a lot of us really came of age. Um, the other uh, theme is really just, um, growing up in, in that analog age as children, uh, kind of seeing how, how you handled certain things, how, for example, with Remy, how you would go about getting published with help from your mom, by the way, and kudos to Remy's mom for just doing that and identifying a uh, skill set that he had. Or if you're uh, Sherry Lynn, you know, you grew up and you had to work for everything you had and even from a young age and having that kind of ingrained in you and it carries over into your adulthood and to see the drive that she has, uh, as I said on that podcast, I mean, absolutely busy individual that she is. Um, this podcast kind of will be a, a standalone. I'm really just going to kind of focus on one topic and it's importance to, um, to where we've come from in the last two interviews. And that is um, that we are latchkey kids. Now, some of you may not know what latchkey kids means. Uh, if you grew up in that, you absolutely know what it is. Uh, and there are certain things that I feel come along with that, that prepared us or kind of um, aided us as we were growing up. 
now again, typical format episode will have typical format. Uh, you know, I'll do some plugs. I'll do some plugs for some of the products that I use for this podcast. Again, I'll play a song and then we'll go into my little spiel here and that'll really wrap up the episode. Uh, so I'll start with the, uh, the plugs. So in case anyone's wondering what I use for my equipment, I use uh, Samson, you know, 2Q UA microphones. I love these microphones. Uh, they have USB connection. They can become dynamic. They have uh, XLR connections, uh, really versatile. They can connect right into a laptop or a digital recorder, uh, really depending. If I'm at home, I'm using USB if I'm mobile and I'm doing interviews or live casts, I'm usually using a digital recorder. Um, and um, I usually, I get all of my equipment through uh, Sweetwater. I cannot um, sing the praises of Sweetwater enough. I love Sweetwater. Sweetwater uh, is a company out of Jersey. Um, they are, you know, fairly small. But what I love about them is that the owner has called and left me voicemails every single time I order from him and simply uh, giving me a thank you for ordering from them. And if I have any questions, please feel free to reach out. And then when they ship their order to me, uh, they actually ship it with uh, their most up-to-date catalog on all of their audio and, and visual uh, equipment that they're selling, any sales that they're doing. And yes, like the name says, they actually send it with uh, a bag of candy. Fantastic. Uh, the customer service is just unparalleled. I also use Audacity for my software. Again, that's just free audio software for um, Microsoft. I believe you can get that on um, a Mac too. GarageBand is more specific, the specific equivalent, and that's just Mac only. Uh, and I also would like to uh, hype up a company called LidLaunch. Now, LidLaunch makes hats. And I recently received a hat that I asked them to make and uh, I will post pictures of it. It is phenomenal. It, they did a great job. It is actually stitched. Um, if you would like to get hats that are custom made from them, just know it's a $30 fee the first time they have to do it. And after that, you don't pay that $30 fee. It's a one-time fee. And then the more um, hats you buy, the more bulk you buy, the less of the price. Excellent job that they do. They're a husband and wife company. They run it from their home. Uh, they have like a warehouse on their property. It's in Kansas. Uh, and they do a great job communicating with you if they're, for example, my order was delayed because of weather issues they were having in the Midwest. And they reached out to me to let me know that. And I appreciated that. And again, they kept me updated with the tracking information. And it was well worth it because I'm staring at the hat right now. And it's just fantastic. So this will be a good jump off point. We'll play some music. We'll come back. Um, and we will talk about what it is to be latchkey kids and the influence that has had on us as adults. And as always, you are listening to Bobby Rocks here on the XOP The Zennial Odyssey Podcast.
That was, first off, on top of the fact, giving me vibes of, you know, the early 2000s and the Strokes and every the band that came out. Uh, Just great music to listen to. So that was Stand Here and Wait by The Phantoms. And again, all of my music comes from Soundstripe. Soundstripe is a paid royalty-free service that I uh, use for all of my music. And again, I pay a monthly fee and that money goes directly back to all of the artists that contribute their music to it. That is Soundstripe.com. Okay, where were we? We were talking about being latchkey kids. And latchkey kids is something I feel is very unique to people that grew up in the early 70s, in the early, in the mid 70s to the early 80s. Um, Essentially what a latchkey kid is, is... um, is a child who, you know, returns to an empty home because they're both of their parents work. Um, there's no supervision, um, any age that could be alone or could be with their siblings. So I'll give you uh, an example for myself and for myself. I, I was a latchkey kid from the age of eight. Uh, before that, uh, my mother worked during the my mother worked uh, three to eleven. She was a registered nurse. Uh, my father uh, worked during the day, and so they had their schedule set up uh, to perfectly kind of, as one parent was coming home, the other parent would leave. And at most, maybe there was a gap where my sister, my sister is seven, almost eight years older than me. Um, so, for example, when I was seven years old, she was fourteen, fifteen years old. So it, there was. There was maybe like a 45 minute hour gap where uh, she was watching my brother and I. However, around the time I was in the second grade, my mother, um, my mother kind of switched, uh, she switched shifts, uh, but my father still worked until about five, five thirty, and my mother worked and also until about five, five thirty. So that means, um, as an elementary school kid, when I would come home, I would be, left to my lonesome or I would be um, essentially I would, it would be my brother and I left to our lonesomes. Um, at that point, my sister was playing sports and things like that at high school. So she would be kept up at the high school with all of her engagements. So she wouldn't be home. So really you think about it. Uh, it's just an eight year old and an 11 year old, uh, who were, you know, at home if they had homework, doing homework, which I, I was, I never did homework. Um, 
and really just fend for ourselves. Now, granted, at times that we meant that my brother would try to make my life a living hell uh, with psychological warfare. Um, but that didn't last for too, too long because he really did it up until my punches started to hurt. Um, so other than that, uh, another thing that I thought was great was that as soon as my school day was over, I could hop on my bike and I could go to a friend's house. We could discuss that early in the day, even when we were at school or if we were on the school bus going to school in the morning and we could meet up and uh, my childhood best friend and his family uh, were just great people. Um, he wasn't, my childhood best friend wasn't necessarily a latchkey kid. Uh, his mother, um, his mother was home and his father was home. His father worked an overnight job. So, I mean, his father would be asleep most of the time when we were there. But at, uh, at our young age, I mean, he lived with his grandparents. Um, they had a wonderfully large yard so we could just have adventures there. And really you didn't have to call ahead and you didn't have to ask. You just kind of showed up. And if you stayed out of the house, then you kind of entertained yourself. That was, that was fine. And we would entertain ourselves and, and his siblings would play with us too. And, and really we would just occupy ourselves. And so really that gets me into my larger point um, that I wanted to make during this podcast itself. And that is that we were children. We were eight, nine, 10 years old, maybe even younger. We were given keys to our house. We were unsupervised. We were sometimes, um, especially for my sister early on when she would watch over us. I mean, she was like 11, 12 years old, and she would be in charge of starting the preparation for dinner until my father got home, and then he would take over from there. But really, that would mean that she would do the majority of it. Um, and then when it came to uh, hanging out with my friends, um, I would get on my bike, I would ride you know, all over town to their house. I wouldn't check in, necessarily let people know what I was doing. And then on top of that, um, this actually continued into my young adulthood is that I could, I could mosey on into their house and that was fine. And I bring these points up because they come back to a central theme. And that central theme is trust. Now, what I mean by trust is my parents trusted my brother and I that even though we might, you know, engage in psychological warfare, that we had the wherewithal to take care of ourselves and occupy our time and, and, you know, be safe. And we were rewarded with more of that trust. And, and it, uh, what I mean by that is for my parents, that meant that, uh, my mother could switch, uh, her shifts and she didn't have to work nights anymore and do a trade-off. Um, at that point, my mother had been a nurse for 20 years and she'd primarily been working three to 11. So now she could switch to a Monday through Friday schedule that was um, more convenient to her. And she was in her forties at the time. And so that was, that was a cool thing. I look back on that as a cool thing. And then when it comes to my friends and my friend's parents, um, the trust that I could just ride up and we could just get into playing that we weren't supervised. We were just left alone in, in this property um, to do our own thing. Um, and then again, moseying on into a house. Uh, this is stuff, I mean, they, first off, who leaves their houses unlocked? 
nowadays. Um, nobody leaves their house unlocked nowadays. And that I could just mosey on in and the most I would get is, to, who's there? And if it was my like my friend's father, it'd just be like, oh, hi, you know, it's it's Bobby. Uh, and then it'd just be like, Bobby, you know, what are you doing? And then I'd say, oh, I'm going down to your son's room. Uh, he's down there. And he'd be like, oh, all right, you know. And then some, sometimes it would actually be, especially as I became more of an adult, uh, there would be more just casual conversation. Oh, you know, how's, how's your, how's your father doing? How's your mom doing? Your father's still running. You know, is your sister married? Is, uh, her and her husband having kids, you know, things like that. I would just a quick five, 10 minute conversations that we would engage in. And I think these are things that just don't happen anymore. And to me, it's, it's a, uh, societal shift. And I just sit back and I wonder when, when did it start? Why did it start? Where did the lack of trust go? Um, and it gets me into the next thing I want to talk about that is related. Uh, when I was talking with Sherry Lynn and we were talking about mental health and, and mental health specifically to millennials. And I, again, yes, uh, this is a podcast about zennials and, but there are zennials that are, you know, they do fall under the classification of millennials. Um, and she had mentioned anxiety and I definitely think anxiety is, is a, is a very prevalent thing for people my age as well as depression, but we're going to focus on anxiety here. And the reason I bring that up is because I have seen it in my personal life. Now I brought up that I had friends that I could just go into their house. Like I was one of them, one of their uh, siblings or whatever. But I also had friends that I couldn't do that with. And that was, a that was hard for me at first. It would create some awkward situations, uh, when I would act like that because that's what I was used to. And then running into that. Um, but I learned quick. I was a quick learner that, uh, I learned, you know, how to act in certain situations. I was very flexible like that, by the way, another trait of Zennials were very adaptive and flexible, but Getting back to uh, the anxiety issue, I feel a lot of it has to do on parenting style, especially for younger kids, younger millennials than myself. And what I mean by that is I don't feel that there were latchkey kids or there definitely was something that was fading out. Um you couldn't just ride around without letting people know where you were going. Um, you couldn't just mosey on into people's homes without um, knocking or, or anything like that. Um, and I feel the message that was conveyed during that time for people just a little younger than me was uh, a lack of trust, especially for like the latchkey thing uh, that, definitely has a lot to do with lack of trust. And the problem with that from just a, um, a basic learning, uh, social learning and things like that, and, and just human development is it can send off the wrong messages to individuals, uh, children, for example, it can say, uh, this is, this is dangerous. Being all left alone home is dangerous. Riding your bicycle by yourself, not telling me where to go is dangerous. Not letting me know who I can contact is dangerous. Going over to that friend's house is dangerous. Or uh, you get the idea. 
And those kind of things, it's called manifesting. What I mean by that is it will show up in other areas of thinking. It'll show up in areas of people's social interactions. And it will show up um, in their interactions with others. Now, on the plus side is that um, I'm going to do a little little buzz phrase for everybody out there, and that's called neuroplasticity. And what neuroplasticity means is that the human brain is very flexible. It's very adaptive in and of itself. For example, if uh, somebody has um, an injury to the brain, the brain can adapt its um, neurons and its connections to other parts of the brain. Is it going to be perfect? Is it going to be 100% like it was before? No, but it tries to repair itself um, to the best of its ability to kind of make up for the loss in functioning. Related to that, when the brain experiences things like trauma, and yes, anxiety can come from even something that is traumatic. And even if you don't think it's traumatic, it, if you're not that individual, you, you don't really have a leg to stand on to tell them how they uh, developed and how they perceive the world around them. Um, but the benefit is that, you know, be it just life experiences or going to a therapist or, or anything, that you can kind of learn techniques to overcome uh, certain uh, things like anxiety. And I bring that up because I feel, I feel especially towards the end of the millennial generation, uh, this is, this is a hard thing for people that are that age. They haven't had these opportunities, um, where trust has been placed upon them so that when they are, and they really don't have those trial and error moments, they struggle. And it doesn't mean that that's it. That's all it's going to be. It just means that they're kind of delayed compared to people my age, for example. People my age who were, we were, you know, eight, eight, seven, eight, nine years old, and we were given keys to our home. We were told, hey, can you just start the dinner, this, that, that? Can you put the frozen vegetables on? Um, you know, get your homework on, do this, you know, and letting mom, you know, maybe calling mom when I know mom is home and go, hey, mom, just so you know, I rode my bike out here somewhere. Um, and I'll be home by dinner time, you know, but my brother's home and he can handle all that. Maybe that's where his psychological warfare came from. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I really feel like uh, the trust that was placed in me um, also extended itself to other areas of my life, especially as a child and especially as a teenager and a preteen, all growing up to my adult life. And in a big area this has played out is when I faced adversity. When I faced adversity, especially as an adult, number one, I had perspective. I had moments in my past where I could focus on and go, okay, well, in this situation, this happened and this was the outcome. You know, like if I did something wrong and I had to answer for it, number one, I would own it. Another trait that I don't feel that the younger part of the millennial generation has as much owner self-ownership um a little tidbit 
for people out there, uh, especially people my age, because I think we do a better job of this. Um, when you own something and you take self-accountability, oftentimes negative outcomes aren't as negative and you actually get respect for that. Um, and you also create situations where uh, you create other perspectives. And I bring that up because I've brought up before that my parents' parenting styles were uh, were different. Uh, my father kind of fit the more stereotypical millennial parent mold. Um, and I don't want to come across like I'm bashing him because he, he, he was, he was wonderful. Yeah. You know, may, maybe he just, he made the world feel like it was a certain way. And when I experienced it, it wasn't that way and it was disappointing, but he also, uh, shared unconditional love even when, you know, he had to do corrective things like a parent and he would. Um, but my mom was really that tough as nails person who, um, when faced with adversity and I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to face it. She would kind of be that one to go. Uh, you know, if you avoid it this time, you're going to avoid it the next time. And it's going to be a pattern that goes on for the rest of your life. So do it now and face the adversity. And literally, by the way, that is a conversation I had with my mom when I was uh, maybe 12 or 13 years old. And it, it may be silly, but I think it was related to, um, to bullying. And, uh, I was in a bowling league and I was in it with people who were my friends and we were in junior high. And I think the wonder years highlights junior high fantastically. And what I mean by that is they said, you're not who you are in junior high. You're kind of who people think you are. And the reason I bring that up is because yeah, in junior high, I noticed that, um, people that were in my group of friends were kind of uh, divvying off because they wanted to be in a social group. Um, and I didn't. And I was, I felt like I was ostracized by my friends, especially, but the other groups, it was more of a, okay, well, he's a loner. And um, it wasn't necessarily the case, but uh, it led to um, some people who were my friends uh, turning and starting to pick on me because they felt like that would kind of earn them earn them cred with, um, these people that they're in, were in groups that they wanted to be in. And so that these people would all hang out at the, at the uh, local arcade and bowling alley and all that. And, um, uh, I was supposed to go and I was kind of like, no. And my mom forced me to go. And then we sat in her car and she said to something to the effect of you let them get the better of you now. And people are going to do this to you for the rest of your life. And so I got out and yes, I was catastrophizing what was going to happen when I go in there. Were they going to make fun of me? Were they going to pick on me? Were they going to, um, actually try to beat me up? Um, and it didn't happen. And one of the people who were quote unquote popular who were there actually pulled me aside and they said like, you know, these people say they're your friends and here they are just making fun of you and picking on you. Um, and if they're doing it to impress me, it doesn't impress me. And I think that first off, I think that is, that is, um, that's profound for like a 12 or 13 year old to have that insight and to share that with me. Uh, and you know, they would, 
they would poke fun at me, but they they weren't trying to be malicious. And and they said that. And they said, and if it if it comes across like that to you, I'm sorry. Um, so that was a great life lesson. And I wish that more individuals, be it people my age or, or older, had uh, had a tough as nails mom like mine. Shout out mom, what up? Um, but also kind of had learning moments like that. Because what I got from moments like that is, first off, I got thick skin. Um, I learned eventually with help from people like my sister, my brother, and my family who are just very um, just um, whim, whimsical people. That's not the right word, but the quips. They were very quick with quips. Uh, I learned very quickly that nobody can make fun of you better than you can make fun of yourself. And so when I would start to do that, it really would diffuse these people on top of the fact that they just found me funny. And then they were like, oh, well, I don't, you know, whatever all these other people uh, are saying that are supposed to be his friends, that I, I'll be his friend. He was funny as hell. Uh, he's really laid back and cool. And he's not just like a loner. He's just kind of like doing his own thing. And then, you know, of course, you get to high school and that's like the cool thing. You know, everyone's trying to be an individual. The groups have broken up a tiny bit, but everyone's trying to get their identity and here I am I've been doing that since before then and it's like oh trendsetter not really just kidding that's just me inflating my ego but this was the kind of my my long-winded kind of tangent about the importance of all these things and yes this relates all the way back to being a latchkey kid this relates back to the independence that we were given because even though that bullying thing went on by the way um my mother didn't go in with me. She just said, like, get out of my car and go. I have to go home and make dinner. So, again, there's no supervision. And all of that stuff happened without parents or supervision. And I'm here. And I'd like to think I'm a, I'm a success. And if that stuff could happen with me and people of my age, number one, why did it stop? And number two, what is kind of the, the detriment of it stopping being for younger people? I think that's a great thing that we can bring up with other guests um, when they come on the podcast. And it's a great point that we can all kind of compare our experiences and perspectives. And some of whom, uh, I am not a parent, but uh, there are people that I will have on that are parents uh, and talk about their parenting styles if they are willing to share that. If not, that's fine. I'm not going to push that. But that we can create a larger discussion because um, even though I'm not a parent, I've been put in the role of uh, being a parental figure in my professional career. I can talk about that limitedly. I know I've brought up HIPAA, but I can, I can talk about that in another time. But yeah, I can, I can say I've been in a role of a caregiver um, to individuals and uh, I absolutely value what my parents uh, did for my siblings and I, um, but I also learned what I liked about their parenting styles, what I felt worked, and what I felt wouldn't. And again, that'll be something that we can discuss in another time. But I think this is a good stopping point uh, for the podcast today. Uh, again, you know, big thanks to Lid Launch for the new hat. Really appreciate that. Uh, big thank you to Soundstripe for again, just hooking me up with the 
the music for a reasonable price and I'm glad I can give it back to the independent artists. Uh, huge shout out to um, Sweetwater uh, for my equipment and my digital recorder, um, which will be coming uh, in the next few days. And for everybody else, until the next time, this Odyssey, as always, has come to a close. And we will talk again on the next one.